This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wongal people and the Yagara Turrbal peoples. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Strap in. Buckle up. It's story time, folks. This is Australiana Rama. Warning, this episode includes some swear words. And James Bond. (laughs) (laughs) Hey Jess, how are you? Hey Maddie, I'm I'm doing alright Matt, how are you? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good, pretty tired, but happy to be here. Yeah, me me too. Great to, to see you and hear your voice. Yep, good to be spending time with all of our listeners as always. Hey. <laughs> um, today we are talking about an Australian icon, um, one of the most well-known figures in cinema ever. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> no, a big one. It's a big no, one today. No exaggerating. Um, <laughs> George Robert Lazenby. Whomst? George Robert Lazenby. Some people say Lazenby. Some people say Lazenby. Cannot confirm which one it is. Okay. I've only heard him be interviewed by other people where they have used either. So if you're listening, mm. George, please phone in and let us know. Yes, and I guess in an interview you rarely say your own full name. No. Hmm. Bizarre. Anyway, are you ready? I'm. I'm ready. Um, just to set the scene. George, yes. Thank you. She's picking up what I'm putting down. George Robert Lazenby Lazenby was born on the 5th of September 1939, a million years ago, in Goulburn, New South Wales. He then moved to, is it Queenbean? Is that how you say that? That's how I've always said Queenbean. Well, outside of Canberra, people often tell us that our Queensland voices are saying "new," not "new." New South Wales words wrong. So please, mm. just you know, let us know. Uh, he moved to Queenbean when he was fourteen. Um, he was the child of a railway worker, and he had a mm-hmm. sister who danced a little heart out. Um, he enlisted. She, she, it was. She was a good dancer. Oh. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, he enlisted in the Australian Army, and he supposedly very quickly rose to the rank of sergeant. But he didn't stay there for very long, and this has also been questioned because as we go through this, we will learn that Mr. George Georgie Boy uh, mm. is known to, let's just say, elaborate. And, embellish, you know, embellish and just like add a little bit of pizzazz to every story that mm-hmm. he does. Um, and why not? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> the truth doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> no, not in the story. <laughs> no. <laughs> so he wasn't in the army for very long. He moved to Canberra where he did a bunch of different jobs. He was a ski instructor at one point. He was a mechanic and he ended up becoming an agent for the Morris Motor Company. 
Okay. And then they sell cars. Yes. Yep. Morris Motor Company, MMC. Um, he then moves to London in 1963 or 64, depending on the source. And <laughs> this is another one where the story has changed a few times. Like sometimes mm-hmm. he claims that it was because he had fallen in love with a woman and he was following her. And other mm-hmm. times he has claimed it was because he wanted to be a model and had no chance of doing that in Canberra. Both could be true. Precisely. Mm. However, before, you know, getting his big break, he still did a bit of, you know, odd job work in London, um, jumping between being a car salesman and a mechanic again. So similar Mm. work to what he was doing in Canberra. He got his first modeling job after being approached by a freelance photographer um, and basically kind of rose pretty quickly from there so he got an agent in the uk he got a few modeling gigs he then became one of the highest paid models in europe for a very very brief period that's Um, so wild yeah and his like most well-known campaign during this time was that he was the marlboro man so the cigarettes and he was like the Australian man in the Marlboro cigarette ads in Europeans. It was all very, you know, the man mm. from the colonies mm. um, being very attractive and coming back and smoking. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he dabbles in one film. Uh, he had a walk-on part in the 1965 Italian Bond spoof movie Espionage in Tangier. We should have watched that. We still can. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we'll try. I don't know (laughs) how readily um, spoof films from Mm. Italy in the 60s are to stream Mm. in current streaming services, but we can find out. Mm. Yes. So... (laughs) Then a series of like vague things happen and they're a little bit contradictory, but essentially the thing that we think happens is that in 1968, Sean Connery decides to no longer be James Bond. So he's Mm. done, he's done it, he's done his last movie. And then the producer of the Bond films, Albert Broccoli, Mm-hmm. Love him. Yeah. Um, Just because of his name. I know. Bizarre. And that he met Bond. Uh, sorry. He met Lazenby, George, for the first time while they were getting a haircut. So they, they're just getting a haircut at the same barbershop and they got chatting. And then it mm. was later on, um, later that week or something, that Broccoli saw this bloke he'd been talking to in a commercial and he was like, ah, oh, he could maybe be a Bond. We should get him in to do a screen test. Wow. Interesting. Because he yeah. was in like a, a he was a, a chocolate ad. I vaguely remember that that's the thing. Yes. And he was in a, yes, Big Fry commercial. Mm, so That was his big thing. Because yes. Fry's used to make Turkish Delight until Cadbury bought it. I know this because yeah. I love Turkish yeah. Delight. Yeah. So he went from cigarettes to chocolate um, mm. and was very recognized in the UK during mm. this time. And so Broccoli 
got him an audition. Um, there's a few different anecdotes about how that happened and all mm. of them are equally bizarre. Like one is that he was out to dinner with this girl and they accidentally like double dated with another couple and then someone else in the other couple was an agent and then they like called the girl's apartment because they knew he went home with her and they basically were like you need to call this agent back in the UK and this was all in Paris and then he like gets Mm. back to the UK and he hasn't called this person back and he bumps into another mutual friend who's like you didn't call her back and he's like "Eh." and then this other mutual friend was like we need to walk to her office and see her right away because it's a really big deal and then he gets there and she's like you've got an audition for Bond so Mm. that's one of the stories that he has told Uh, who knows (laughs) Mm. Uh, and so yeah broccoli goes sure come in do an audition um supposedly during the audition lazenby accidentally punches a professional wrestler who was (laughs) acting as the stunt coordinator just in the face wow yeah and that worked obviously yeah and broccoli was like Yep, okay, that's impressive. Mm. The man has the guts to be Bond. Not accidentally did it. Yeah, Um. yeah. Mm. Bizarre. Um, And so he was Bond and, like, he just kind of went from being this model who had done one little bit piece in an Italian spoof to being Mm. the actual James Bond. So... Yeah, Bond during this time, like obviously it has a huge cult status now, but it was actually starting to, like it was, there were still really, really big movies, but it was starting mm. to drop off a little bit in popularity because we're, we're approaching the 70s, you know, mm. a lot of um, anti-war sentiment and anti-violence and the peace movement and Bond mm. didn't really align with that movement. So here we are. basically as soon as they started filming Mm. tension (laughs) amazing yeah so the director um and and lazenby supposedly only spoke a couple of times throughout the entire process like they spoke at the beginning of the movie uh, at the beginning of the movie shoot and then there was some kind of falling out and they Mm. almost just didn't communicate during the entire film how how does that i guess through directors and and producers and actors like just through other people Mm. but when you watch the film it's not which we did yes which is we watched this we took we took one for the team and watched it last night it is a long film yeah and this man is not an actor no the poor doll that could not be clearer Yes. So mm. enter Her Royal Majesty's Secret Service, which is mm-hmm. the Bond film that he was in, which, as Jess said, we watched last night. It is two hours and 20 minutes. And Bond movies are always long, but yeah. like, this oh, was long. my goodness. It has a strong, mm. bold, old school Bond start where it's just like, you know, the stings, the music, there's a fight, boom. Um, but then very quickly it descends into just utter vague nonsense. Like there's very little premise. Mm, it's <laughs> visually what's interesting. Happening. Yeah. There's some really interesting mm. um, 
cinematography choices. Mm, um, they're exciting. Sorry, scenography and editing choices. But yeah, Contessa, the the Bond girl, um, she seemingly is. Her name is- Teresa. Oh, but she is a Contessa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her right. name is. Wait, is it Teresa? Teresa? Yeah, because I, rem- I don't Why remember any of the plot, but I remember a whole thing about her dad calling her Therese, but then she prefers Teresa, but she's a, she's a Contessa. Yes. Like a count, but a lady. Yeah. In Portugal? I don't know. Yeah, that's why, that's what my notes, that's why my notes are mm. um, misleading. Yes, Teresa the Contessa, not her yes. name Contessa. Um, <laughs> is she's like, it, it's very clear that she's just fed up with Bond from the beginning. There's a lot mm. of tit, there's a lot of nip. Um, George oh Lazenby. yeah, the first few the oh, first yeah, few did. times she the first few times she appears, you see her boobs first, like her head mm. is obscured in some way. At one point, she's just behind a lampshade, a giant lampshade, and it's just and eventually like her face is revealed. Yeah, and it is and it's Diana Rigg who is gorgeous, yes. obviously, and she's the old lady Olena or whatever I think that's her name in Game of Thrones. Just yeah. for anyone who wants to know who she's awesome in Game of Thrones, and she you know she was a bit of a name back then too. Um, so it was actually a big deal that she was in the movie with yeah. George and she from does Canberra. a lot more exactly Georgie Boy from Goulburn. Um, she does a lot more James Bond stuff in it than she than he does. Yes, no, she does. Mm. She does way more stunts and like <laughs> she really mm. takes control in the final act of the film. Yeah. Um, but the first act of the film is James Bond falling in love, and there's a series of like montages of them just going on dates, and he's being courted, and it's just like, <laughs> is this even a Bond film, or mm. is this some weird fan fiction that I have walked into? Mm. Well, and I then, thought that I, mm. oh, sorry, a thought that I've had is that there's all these montages and stuff in which he doesn't have to speak. True. I'm like, is that he just has to look pretty? Yeah, because he does sometimes have an audible Australian accent. Even sometimes. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> most of the time. Other uh. times, he's voiced by a different actor. Yeah. Yeah, they do dub him. Mm. Um, mm. Oh, it's truly bizarre. And then the middle of the film gets very, you know, 60s kooky crazy with this hypnosis. There's a rotating um, dining area on the top of the Swiss Alps, which Jess and I have been to in person. This is how mm-hmm. we found out about George. Originally, we were in holiday in Switzerland like five years ago. And like everyone kept saying like, oh, you're going to, you know, because we were going to go to the top of this mountain and everyone mm. kept saying, oh, you're going to do the Bond experience, like the 007 walkthrough. And we were like, what? <laughs> and anyway, so at the top of this extremely tall mountain in Switzerland, it's like the tallest one in the area that we were staying in. You have to get multiple cable cars to get to the top. There's a rotating restaurant with an interactive Bond experience from like the early 2000s. And it's, it's amazing because oh, I thought it would be old. Like I thought it mm. would be, you know, like something that they built around the time of the movie. And yeah. no, it's new. 
Yeah, and people flock. Like, this film mm. now has cult status, and Bond is obviously a huge icon, and people pay good money, including us, to do this experience. And you get to, like, walk out the top of the mountain and see the amazing yeah, scenery, really cool. which is the highlight of the thing. Mm. But And the movie is a good ad for the area. Same way, like, Lord of the oh, Rings totally. is a really great ad for New Zealand. This does sell me that area of Switzerland. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then... Look, spoilers. So if you are going to strap in and watch the film, just re, just fast forward. Um, at the end of the movie, Teresa Contessa <laughs> <laughs> dies. But it's not in a like, oh my gosh, a dramatic thing that happens. They get married. They're driving away from the wedding. James Bond gets married. Yeah. They pull over on the side of the road like cliffside water um was it portugal I think portugal, it portugal yeah it looks great as well beautiful want to go there mm. and mm. then this lady who was kind of like a hench lady she was one of the main goons oh, for spectre she was, yeah. she was great she drives past and just machine guns um the bond girl contessa mm. Teresa, <laughs> and she dies and then george has to do some acting And he has this little monologue, which is like, it's all right. She's just having a rest. It'll be okay. She's not dead. And then he kind of like holds her and it's truly Mm. bizarre. And then the film ends and the credits Mm. all happen over the shot of the bullet hole. It's like Mm. (laughs) really full on, but also not full on at all because there's just no acting happening. The poor Mm. doll. Like, and the thing is, I judged him a lot when I watched this movie the lack mm. of acting but then when i have read through now and heard that the director wasn't talking to him i'm like oh well he wasn't mm. being directed like he's yeah just he just had no out. support didn't know what to do and yeah. also i feel like he gets a lot of crap for this movie and it's just like it's not his fault because and people are just like no the script is good but he's no good no, like, the no, script no the is script not good is, the script is the problem it could have literally been any man yeah any like traditionally good looking dude with you know two legs two arms and a heartbeat yeah the script is not and it would have good, been the same. guys there's very mm. little actual plot happening yeah. there's whole scenes where they're talking about administration like yeah. they're just talking about admin and it's truly mm. bizarre so yeah i but, but don't I just, at me no <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking about like the fact that this is a, a dude from Goulburn who's then spent a lot of his like career in, you know, selling cars in Canberra and Queanbeyan mm. to then almost accidentally be James Bond or just like just be in a movie at all. You're like in Switzerland, in Portugal. That's just bizarre. Yeah. His whole life changed very, very quickly. So John Brosnan, um, a critic... Is he related to Pierce? I don't think so. 
um, maybe I, I could be wrong, mm. uh, wrote about the film in 1972, which was a couple of years after it was released. Mm. <laughs> this is a quote from him saying, when OHMSS was released, it was immediately apparent that a serious error in casting had been made. First, Lazenby was simply too young for the part, his face suggesting none of the necessary Bondian world wariness or ruthlessness. Secondly, his voice, despite the crash elocution course, was totally wrong, particularly when his underlying Australian accent broke through as it frequently did. Thirdly, Mm -hmm. and most importantly, it was obvious that Lazenby lacked training as an actor. Putting it bluntly, his performance was both awkward and wooden, and whatever the certain something was that Hunt claimed he saw in him failed to make the transition to the screen. Another Harsh, but true. Yeah, another writer wrote, um, Donald Zeck wrote in the Daily Mirror, he looks uncomfortably in the part like a size four foot in a size 10 gumboot. Oh, that's quite a cute, um, scathing thing to say. I know, yeah. Oh, so George baby. spoke about this even like at the time and mm. including up until now. They dubbed now. him like for most of the movie when he's – because he, for a while he's impersonating a different English dude. Oh, yeah. And so and they've dubbed him actor. with the voice of that act, the actor that he's impersonating. And I didn't know that until I looked it up. I was like, oh, that's actually really good dubbing. Yeah, they could have just done that for the whole thing. Yeah. Like, no they no one needed him. to know. No one needed no, to know. No one would have known. Yeah. So George um, felt that his youth and inexperience left him to be treated differently as well, that mm. he just wasn't taken seriously. He, he also felt that the film itself was very flat and that they were bringing out the wrong kind of product for the 70s. So he said the Beatles were bigger than Sean Connery. He also said, had I been so-called successful and continued on, I would probably have had three or four Hollywood wives and a drug addiction. That was me at the time. I just went with the flavor that was at the time. Um, So the Bond movie did not do well. He did Mm. get nominated for a Golden Globe, but the box office takings were not good. And Mm. yeah, it's this weird, bizarre cult status that it's now kind of got since then. So partly because he only did one. Yeah. And because it is such a strange film, really. It is a strange film, and it is different to all the other Bond films in, mm. in kind of multiple ways, not just Lies yeah. and B. Even just the way they edit it is really mm. bizarre. Um, so Lazenby was actually offered a contract for seven more Bond mm. movies. So this is the big plot twist of the whole story. So they were like, yep, we're keeping you around he was offered a million dollars for just the next film in itself, mm. which at the time. It's a lot of money. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of money now, let alone at the time. Mm. But the story goes is that, you know, he was feeling not great about all the criticism. He didn't have a good relationship with the director on the previous film. And his agent um, supposedly convinced him that the 70s just wasn't the right era for Bond. They were going through a liberation that Bond was just not Mm. going to survive, that it was old news, it was outdated, Mm. it was old-timey. And then Lazenby also said later in an interview that, um, quote, so the producers made me feel like I was mindless. They disregarded everything I suggested simply because I hadn't been in the film business like them for a thousand years and so he really just did not have a good time. No. And he bailed. Mm. He bailed. 
So his co-star, Diana Rigg, who we mentioned before, mm. she actually commented on this decision around this time. And she said, the role made Sean Connery a millionaire. It made Sean Connery. I truly don't know what's happening in George's mind, so I can only speak of my reaction. I think it's a pretty foolish move. I think if he can bear to do an apprenticeship, which everybody in this business has to do, has to do, then he should Mm. do it quietly and with humility. Everybody has to do it. There are a few instant successes in the film business, and the instant success one usually associates with somebody who is willing to learn anyway she also said i can no longer cater for his obsession with himself he is utterly unbelievably bloody impossible ah we love her that's amazing yeah and then desmond llewellyn who played q in a Mm. heaps and heaps and heaps of the bond films he said i draw a veil over the chap how can you expect anyone who's never acted before to take on a leading role? So, yeah, his cast didn't like him. He supposedly wow. had quite an ego. Mm. <laughs> After Bond, Lazenby grew a beard and long hair. He said, Bond is a brute. I've already put him behind me. I will never play him again. Peace. That's the message now. There we go. So... That's that. Yeah, well, he would have had to be clean cut for a decade had he done it. Yeah. Yeah. Had they kept making the movies. Yeah, and he spoke about that a lot, and he's repeated that up until this day where he, you know, he said things along the lines of, like, I preferred being a car salesman because mm. the image I had to uphold, the you know, the publicity, this, you know, outdated franchise, Um and he has also, like, to be fair, acknowledged that Bond has changed with the times now and it's mm. become this huge cult iconic thing now. Mm. So he hasn't completely written it off, but at the time he completely wrote it off. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, after that, he, you know, publicly on the record took a lot of LSD and marijuana. Like I said, he grew his hair out. He zipped around the world a fair bit. He did a few parody Bond appearances. Um, There was a film in 1983 called The Return of Man from Uncle. There's another one, a video game in 1996 called Fox Hunt. And then he appears on an episode of the new Alfred Hitchcock Presents. um, And the episode's called Diamonds Aren't Forever. So he's appeared as Bond, you know, or like a spy called JB in a series hmm. of other things. I've in- seen him in ads recently for like, for is it martinis or like some kind of alcohol yeah. that you would use for a James Bond drink? Yeah, yeah. he's still he's still milking it. Like he's actually he's actually Good kind on. of come back. He's come around. <laughs> yeah, he's doing like, Bond things again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In 1971, he was in a film called Universal Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> You can just keep that version. I've tried to say it three times. Universal uh, Soldier. I thank assume. you. Yeah. Mm. It's mm-hmm. um, in 1972. He was in an, an Italian film called "Who Saw Her Die." Does he speak he, Italian? Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I, I doubt probably it. not. Probably no. not. He can't even do a British accent. Oh, that's yeah, quite I mean. Don't. Maybe he does. I don't. Know. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, he around this time revealed that. 
he had been consulting with an astrologer for years. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> quoting, mm-hmm. even before I made the Bond pictures, she said I would become famous and that there would be big problems for a couple of years. Um, Then she assured me that I would be back at the top of my profession by the end of 1973. It's absolutely fantastic because everything she said has told me has happened. So this is like he said this around 1972 where things are not good. And he's like, it's all right, guys, because next year is going to be my year. Wow. Yeah. And so then he moves to Hong Kong and does a bunch of roles in kung fu movies um he gets a bit of money like you know it's it's enough to kind of Mm. you know be a decent career but he wasn't getting the stardom that he wanted Mm. and so he then during this time he meets bruce lee and he actually starts pre-production for a film that he was going to do with lee so they had this that's actually cool ready to go yeah and it that probably Mm. would have been a pretty big deal but bruce lee died and so it Mm. didn't happen also during this time um in 1971 he married his first wife christina gannett i think that's how you say it um she is the heiress for publishing company and they have two kids he comes back to Australia and does some cigarette ads here. And then in the late 1970s, after all of this, moves to Hollywood. In 1978, while in Hollywood, he takes out an ad in Variety magazine offering himself up for acting work. Is that normal at the time? No. Not for someone who's been in a bond. And yeah, and he was interviewed by a journalist around this time. And he basically said, if I could get any work at all, I swear I'd do it for nothing. He just wants to get the experience and get his name out there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he makes an appearance in Hawaii Five-O, St. Jack, Superboy and Gettysburg. And then during the 80s and 90s, he does a little bit of work on General Hospital. He appears on um, Baywatch once or twice. And there's he appears on a few So he's like a working actor. Yeah, this Mm. is the thing. Like he is working, but Mm. potentially, you know, not at the level that he thought he would. Mm. He had this idea that if he left Bond, he could go and do spaghetti westerns and stuff that's just a bit Mm. more edgy. And then those things didn't survive (laughs) Mm. but bond did so yeah in 1994 his son passed away after having cancer and then he divorces his first wife and then he doesn't do much work in the 90s he it becomes involved in property so he's like buying and selling real estate and then he marries um a professional tennis player pam shriver in 2002 Ah, there you go. Uh, yeah, and then they have three kids, and then in 2008, they divorce. Yeah, so he's had he's done a lot, to mm. be fair. So it's he, a lot of lives. Yeah, so George now still lives mm. in Los Angeles. He is 82. He has a very active social media presence. He's on Facebook. Amazing. He's got a website. Mm-hmm. He's on Insta. He's on Twitter, and he's doing all of it at 82. 
great. Yeah. Does he have TikTok? I don't know. Well, I don't, don't I don't know. think so. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I went through most of his stuff. Um, mm. He's And he's rolled out, you know, every time there's a new Bond movie, mm. they the wheel him Australian out. breakfast shows mm. wheel him out to comment. Yeah. I watched one of the interviews. It's his most recent interview at the end of 2021 on Studio 10, and it was when the most recent Bond film mm. came out. And it is a slightly chaotic, very charming, sometimes alarming, overall entertaining interview that I suggest everyone to jump on YouTube and watch. But some of the big takeaways was that, you know, he talks about the whole turning down Bond thing. Like he's always Mm. asked about that in every interview. And he, he reiterates the story about his manager telling him that James Bond is over. It's hippie time now. He was offered 1 million for the film, but he didn't take it. And then he goes on this tangent being like, 1 million was a lot of money. That that's what Hugh Hefner paid for the Playboy mansion. <laughs> and that's one a of, very specific reference point. Yes, and then one of the journalists is like, "Oh, the mansion could have been yours." And he's like, "Oh, that doesn't matter because I had an open invitation to go to the mansion whenever I liked because I was a Bond man and that's an automatic thing." And he oh. did go several times apparently. I do. Um, they talk about how he struggled with technology in setting the interview up. It's a FaceTime interview. And then he goes on this rant about how he didn't have a telephone until he was 15. And, you know, it's all a bit tricky. But then he also, like, interrupts the conversation halfway through to just show them a pile of fan mail that he has. Great. He's literally just, like, walking around the house while doing this interview. Mm. Um, he definitely seems like he was probably a bit of a Bond character in real life as far as his womanizing. Like there's a lot of references to various women that he, Mm. he didn't, he doesn't say that he slept with them, but it's very clear Mm. that he did. (laughs) Sean Connery is his favorite Bond. Um, Mm. and he was told that, you know, you're so sure of yourself you're so egotistical and he kind of like spins that around in some charming way and in another interview he did actually say that um <laughs> no time to die was too long <laughs> <laughs> they're the all re- too the long the recent bond films and he said daniel craig did a good job but not as good as me <laughs> yeah they also asked him if he thought that a woman could play Bond and he initially says like, no, not at all, not a thing. And he says women should go back to what they're supposed to be doing, looking after men and the two female interviewees are deeply uncomfortable and and outright mm. say that that's something you shouldn't say. And that he says, mm. no, that's something I shouldn't say. We shouldn't do that because it's not the truth women have proved they can do whatever men can do. And if a woman comes along that has the charisma for Bond, why shouldn't we give her a shot? So like. Wow. That's two very conflicting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's just like, is this the ramblings of an older gentleman or did he just Mm. mince his words around and say something he wasn't meant to say or very confusing, but yet the women are just like doing their best Mm. (laughs) to get through the interview. Quote um, from Diana Rigg, like from when she was working, yes. said, I feel like speaks maybe quite a bit. And there were many others of a similar 
tone, mm. um, we would be here for a long time if I yeah. were to read all the quotes I found about his <laughs> ego. Uh, mm. He's very charming. Like you can see how even though he's got a huge ego, he would just charm people into mm. getting interviews Good and job. being put on a film. And mm. yeah, you can see, you know, when you watch the movie, you're like, how did he get this job? And then when you see him interviewed in person, you go, I totally see mm. how he got this job. In real life, he's got it. Yeah. He just can't mm. replicate it on screen. Sorry, George. I really mm. hope you're not listening to this. Um, yeah. And that's George Lazenby. Of Australia, the only Australian Bond, the only Bond to do one Bond movie and the youngest Bond ever. How old was he? Well, he's 82 now and it was 69. Mm. So whatever that difference is, pretty young. Mm. I can't do maths. Oh, no, I'm too tired. Mm. I could, no, absolutely not. He would have been 30 something, right? Like, he's yeah. not in his 20s. If he is, he's old. Oh, he was 30. Looking. He was bang on 30, 29, 30, because he was born in 1939. Wow. He looks older, right? Like, Yeah, I I'm, thought so. In, like, two weeks, I will be 30. Yeah. I think he's got a bit of a weathered Australian leather look, which then oh, yes. probably was of quite popular. Time. Like, that's why he's getting the smoking mm. ads and stuff like that. Whereas now, yes, that's less of a thing. he has been in the sun a lot. Yeah. Yeah. People... Um, decided to start using sunscreen. So, mm. yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, there you go. Bum, My sources for this episode include George Lazenby's website, the Encyclopedia Britannica, Wikipedia, the James Bond Wiki, the James Bond 007 magazine, Channel 10, um, <laughs> and his own social media. So George Lazenby's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And also the Bond film, Her Majesty's Secret Service. <laughs> mm. Beautiful. Uh, well, thanks for this journey. Um, My pleasure. Next episode, it turns out one of our icons is having a 90th birthday. Um, the the coat hanger, the the great Sydney Harbour Bridge. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Is turning. It's 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 90th birthday, so I'm going to do one about the bridge. I might even walk across it. You know, tell you all oh, what it's like. We could do a walk. Not a the walk climb. Across. I'm not made of money, uh, but I'll walk across. Yeah, we'll do an on location review of the bridge, and also obviously I'll actually do my research and tell you all about it. Yeah, we won't just do 10 minutes of us <laughs> mm. walking along. Describing what we can see. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, so that is in two weeks' time. Um, and in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Australianorama. You can chuck us an email to australianorama at gmail.com. And also, if you are in Sydney in May, you should come to my show at the Sydney Comedy Festival. It's on the 11th and the 13th. So I, I do musical comedy, if you don't know. Where um, is the yeah, show? My, it is at the Factory Theatre in Marrickville. Great. Um, you can just find it if you go to Sydney Comedy Festival and you type in my name. Jessica 80. Yeah, that's me. Cool. Peace. Bye. Bye-bye.